Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. In today's episode, I interview my old friend, Christina Kajova, CEO and founder of KEGG, K-E-G-G. You can check out KEGG at KEGG.tech, again, K-E-G-G. It's a Kegel ball that uses Bluetooth technology to talk to your phone. And so it not only improves your pelvic floor health, but it actually also tracks your fertility. There are gold sensors in their product that actually can measure your cervical fluid. Don't know what cervical fluid is? Don't worry. We're about to talk about it. And we're going to talk about how important it is to the point that they actually are calling cervical fluid the fifth vital sign. So a woman can tell a lot about how her health is based on her cervical fluid. And, you know, uh, Keg is on a mission to help women identify their first day of fertility, not based on hormones on a pee stick, not based on, you know, just the time of the month or their temperature, but based on cervical fluid as it is so important for fertility. Again, we're going to talk about the biology of that. The geneticist in me was just going crazy talking about all this good science. So I know you're going to enjoy it. Check out keg.tech um, to see the product because we do talk about the structure and the and the anatomy of the, the device itself. So make sure you check it out. Uh, you're going to love it. So did I meet you at TMCX? Or did I meet your team? Briefly. Yeah, I, I met so many people there. Pierre told me that we met in person, but we met so many people. <laughs> that was, it was hard. Yeah, I think I met you right before you went on stage to do your pitch. So total full excuse if you do not remember who I was because you were getting ready to do your pitch on stage and it was a huge audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really. But I love TMC. And I love the uh, network that we made there and we should return there once things go back to normal. Mm-hmm. And it really helped us, you know, one would think like, hey, you know, San Francisco is the best, but it really has a lot to offer. It's just very badly promoted. Yeah, yeah. TMCX, the accelerator is what we're referring to in Houston, Texas. Um, it's a metal, medical device cohort and then also a digital health cohort. And you were in the med device one? Yeah. Med device. Yeah. So cool. Some really, really cool companies coming out of there. Well, Christina, I'm so grateful to be circling back with you, having met you, you know, almost a year ago. Um, And then now here we are in the podcast. So why don't you tell our listeners about your background? Um, I'm from Europe. I am. I was born in Slovakia. I came to United States uh, with my husband who got a job here. And I have always been working in tech. I honestly have never been to the United States before I moved in here, which is interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I like it. I, I don't know why I have never visited, but <laughs> I, prior to the United States, um, I have international background. So I have a master of uh, economics and also MBA. And I have been working in international companies in many countries, including China and Taiwan, London. So not too weird to just up and move to another country. Not, not too weird. 
of course, it's not weird. It's just <laughs> weird to move to a country that you, you haven't ever even visited before. And where do you live now? <laughs> San Francisco. San Francisco. Awesome. And um, when did you start to get into femtech? I started to get into femtech. Um, like, since I came here, I... Um, I can say this because this is a woman's podcast, but I didn't have period for six months mm -hmm. and it happened to me multiple times over my life and it was always a hustle and the healthcare generally is broken in this country, but it's also not optimal in any, like in other places. And when a woman has a problem and goes to a doctor, they usually have like selected solutions already. Like, we don't care, like, take this pill, it will artificially fix your hormones, and we will, like, look at it more only if you want to get pregnant. Yeah. And no one is genuinely interested in fixing if something is wrong with a woman before she wants to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And when she wants to get pregnant, they're also not that interested in fixing it, but they're more interested in sending you into IVF because it's better now than later, but yeah. it's not true. We should, we should, like... Every problem that you have is valid and you should get a treatment for it. Stopping the problem with birth control or stopping the problem with the pill is not okay. But yet most of OBGYNs do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just like very surprising. Uh, in Europe, they can't. The European directive is that you can't fix the problems with birth control. But many doctors still do it. But, you know, like you... Med medical wisely it's not fixing a problem it's stopping the problem that's mm. that's the real thing and here i was so surprised i just couldn't get any help and they were like yeah this is how we deal with it here in the united states we just use birth control i'm like great <laughs> great for you but you know i always tell if now even our customers or my friends that when they get this pushback from doctors they should ask hey dear doctor are you on a pill or are you on this and that? And then you'll see that OBGYNs women are the type of women that are the least on hormonal birth control. Wow. They use least the IUD, you know, like they know, so they don't do it mm -hmm. or like they're very much aware of the side effects. So they're acting in the best interest for themselves, but they also believe that general women or general public is not that intellectually high and so it's better to like solve quickly. But when I gave this advice to my woman friend living here, they're like, yeah, my OBGYN is not on the birth control. I was like, I told you, you know, oh, my OBGYN, she's not on the copper IUD. I was like, yes, I told you. Wow. Just push back and ask. And then yeah. it worked. Well, you know, we have a lot of OBGYNs on this podcast. And I, I do want to counter that with, I doubt that most OBGYNs don't care about their patients and are just, you know, pill distributors, no, no. but it's, given it's not, the healthcare it's system, care. yeah, it, it's just that, you know, I mean, maybe my sample is very bad because I'm in San Francisco and probably it's different here than elsewhere, but I also saw it, for example, in Austria mm -hmm. and, um, it was the same approach Yeah, and there, I was literally told that this is how we do it here. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, yeah. but it's not fix, fixing the problem. No, but this is how we do it here. If it doesn't work for you, we can give you a different birth control. It's yeah. like, I don't want the birth control. I want to fix myself. Yeah. So I, because I have a femtech company, I, I'm working with a lot of very woman-friendly 
um, doctors and, you know, they are the ones that who are willing to, you know, go one step further. But I also have to say that I met with many doctors who are not interested. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking a lot on this podcast about systematic barriers to femtech innovation, right? Like there's a lack of CPG codes for med devices or, you yeah. know, things to get, um, you know, reimbursed by insurance and FDA, you know, uh, approval for uh, drugs for women take longer. Like there's all these institutional, like there's so many barriers on every step of the way. It's crazy. Um, and then in the end, yeah. it's just a patient in their OB-GYN and a pill, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and the one, you know, I understand doctors, you don't have time to mm-hmm. go deep with every patient. And, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it has to change. It really has to change because it's not sustainable. It's not mm-hmm. sustainable how we treat women and long-term impacts are already visible. Yeah. So, Well, also, I, I just want to speak... I, I read this very interesting survey, which was sent by one of our advisors, uh, a doctor, and it said that, like, uh, three of five women who are taking birth control would stop taking it or, like, would get rid of IUD if there would be you know, a natural solution or mm. an alternative, even if it's like harder to use. Yeah. Like women want the change uh, yeah. and women are very interested in fixing their problems and learning about their cycles. The studs then continue that four in five women wants to want to understand their cycle. It's just very difficult. Mm-hmm. So why we don't do it? I mean, if men would have this superpower that, you know, they had different hormone fluctuation during a month, you know, there would be app store full of like 10,000 <laughs> sensors and, you know, like there would be promotions targeting for when you're high on progesterone. Like it would, it would get nuts. But when it's a woman, it's something that we just don't talk about. We don't know. It's a mystery. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Well, let's get into what you're working on now. So you are the CEO and founder of KEG, K-E-G-G. Yeah. What is KEG? When did you start it? Yeah, so KEG is a medical device um, designed for women to use at a home, and it tracks your vaginal fluids. Um, we paid a lot of attention to user experience, so it works as a kegel ball, so you can you know, exercise your pelvic muscle. <coughs> Sorry. But the primary reason why, why we, you need information from your vaginal fluids is because you want to track your fertile window and ovulation. And the only indicator when the fertile window begins is the appearance of fertile cervical fluid. And then after the ovulation, this dries up. Mm. So you need to know when it starts, when it ends. Also, how long it is, what is the quality of it. And just this information is so crucial and so important. And women deserve to know. Um, It's very important because, you know, imagine we would have this information that, hey, do I have the fertile cervical fluid today or not? Mm-hmm. You know, it was changed the world because mm-hmm. people would stop using condoms when they have a stable partner. You know, um, women would understand like my fertile window is only three days. That's terrible. I my lifestyle is really bad. Or you know, I'm losing the quality of my cervical fluid over time, and people would really care. But we don't have this information right now. Mm-hmm. We have LH test which are superficial because they give you information about the luteinizing hormone in your urine. Great. 
I mean, <laughs> great, mm-hmm. great for my matter, but not great for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really, really frustrated because when I was trying to solve myself um, and help myself, you know, um, I, I went to this natural family, family planning doctor and she was telling me about how to track my cervical fluid and that she's not interested in luteinizing hormone and she needs to understand this and my lifestyle. I was like, wait, cervical fluid? Like, where are you coming from? How am I supposed to know? Like, how am I supposed to know? And and then I left and I was left alone and very frustrated. Like, what on earth is going on when in order to fix yourself, you have to track yourself, your vaginal fluids with your hands, chart it based on what you think you see, mm-hmm. and then someone can help you. It's just crazy. Like, yeah. why? Let's, you can buy a Tesla and then doctor tells you this. It's just not okay. <laughs> so let's talk about cervical fluid a little bit so people can start to, you know, visualize what we're talking about here. So you're referring essentially to discharge. So like women can see their vaginal fluid and discharge in their in their underwear, right? Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, though, though, yeah, technically, yes, but that also could be many things. Uh-huh. So cervical fluid, you now discharge can be many things, mm-hmm. but cervical fluid is, uh, you know, the fluid that is created in your cervix mm-hmm. and it protects you during the cycle, or then it helps to nurture the sperm and enter them inside the female reproductive, reproductive tract. But um these doctors, they also advise that you just don't look at the discharge because that's not, not okay. But you now when you go to the loo and you wipe yourself, you take it from the paper or some woman advised that you really take it with two of your fingers straight from the cervix. So, the so pre- yeah. before keg, before there was a medical device to measure the, cer- the fluid, doctors would yeah. suggest to just put the fingers up the vagina and feel and then try to describe the mucus. Yeah, but not all of doctors, only these uh, doctors that really do care. Uh, only the woke ones. Technology. Yeah. yeah, not all of them. But <laughs> some would say yes. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like all of them, but this yeah. dedicated one. Yeah, and, and this mucus is important for the sperm to swim up into the uterus and fertilize the egg, right? Exactly. So that's why it's important for yeah, fertility. Yeah. yeah, and also um, we had some women in beta testing when they got off the pill and they were using keg, they realized like, oh, I'm getting infection around my ovulation time and also around my um, period time. Mm. And that's really when the cervix is open and you're also more prone to get infection Mm. because the cervical fluid most of the time is designed to protect you from infection. And then, you know, it helps sperm, it helps everything. So it's very important to understand and it's a great indicator of your health. One of the bloggers that uh, blogs about cervical fluid, she called it the fifth vital sign because it's so important to women to know. I love that. It should be interested to know. I already know what the title of this episode is going to (laughs) be. Yeah, but just like imagine that it's so important, yet it was so difficult to get this information. It's just crazy. And um, so when did you start keg? When did you start it? I I started keg three years ago and I met an investor who invested in pelvic floor trainers Mm -hmm. before and it was great. And I thought that putting the sensors on a kegel ball, you know, it's a ball that you can exercise your pelvic floor with makes a lot of sense from user experience because if you put something in your vagina, it's very 
that should be worth it and user friendly. You know, <laughs> yeah. it shouldn't be a bad experience. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, "Oh wow, you know, like a Kegel ball, and it has a medical technology. Great, great investment." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Yeah," but unfortunately, um, not many other investors see it this way because they're super unfamiliar with this market. Mm-hmm. They don't have vaginas. Um, many, many that I met thought that we pee from vagina or that we don't put anything into vagina apart from penis. And then when you speak to them, then you understand that there's this huge barrier to fundraise in this space because it's just very different to what they know and what they understand. Nevertheless, women understand it. And when we build a device, I think it's important that I have half, half team, half of us are women. Mm-hmm. maybe more than a half and half our men and throughout the research and development we were using it all the time so we made a product that we want to use yeah so you can use it almost any time of a day uh it vibrates to tell you how to squeeze it's charged wirelessly um or like you know you don't need a cable to charge it mm-hmm. it stays charged for almost you know a full cycle depends on how much vibrations you're using but, you know, we build all these very good things that we want to use as a women. Yeah. And I and, and women are appreciating it. So because, yeah. you know, I can't be like, hey, I'm into this technology because it's not true. We honestly put sensing on a kegel ball and we took existing research and existing technology. Yeah. Which is so old that, you know, the patent is already expired. So the innovation that we did in a space is that we made it user-friendly and by user-friendly, you know, like more women can use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a kega ball, which can help the pelvic floor muscles, but it also has these sensors to, to sense the, the vaginal mucus, right? Or yeah, cervical exactly. mm-hmm. mucus. Um, yeah. And so is there like an app or something that tells the woman about the mucus or? Yeah, yeah, of course. So naturally, it doesn't have a display. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the it's is inside, very underneath, <laughs> up and in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, when you go on our website, you will see it's beautiful, and we have a, a company, uh, an app to it. So we have an Android app, an iOS app. Um, it connects via Bluetooth. It has a tail with antenna, so we stream it very safely, and. We also don't process any data on the device itself or also on the mobile, but we process it in the cloud so we can do more elaborate analysis on the data. Mm-hmm. And and the app also works as a fertility tracking app. So if you're used to track your temperature or something else, you still can do all this tracking within the app. Wow. And, so and then, of course, it shows you data. Yeah. And does it like have an alarm that says when you're fertile or you know like is there something like bells and whistles go off and they're like get it on yeah. take me out put it in <laughs> you know yeah yeah yeah. that's also what my husband always begs me about that we should make an app for men too so they know what to expect <laughs> yeah uh, yeah you have to enable notifications if mm-hmm. you enable notifications you will get notifications from us we also thought that we will put a different vibration on it when you're in your fertile window mm. But we will see yeah, what yeah. women like, what they don't. So what stage are you at with the product? Uh, we just, uh, we are just gotten the FDA registration last week. Wow. And Congratulations. So That's huge. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's huge, huge, huge. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, FDA registration is not the same as FDA approval because we are not a diagnostic device. 
But what it means is that we have all the necessary certifications and compliance method and quality control system in place. And that took a long time to put together. Mm-hmm. So it, and then FDA was very delayed because of Corona. So I'm yeah. so happy we got it finally. So when you get FDA registration now, what, what is the next step? When can women start to buy it? You can already buy it. It's oh. just that we are shipping first to our bakers who already placed the orders before you. But anyone who buys it right now, they should get it within a month. Oh my God. So awesome. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know, you know, like I was waiting for this moment. It <laughs> is so amazing. Oh, I'm just so, so proud again, because I saw you last year. And so I have a special like pride about hearing this project. <laughs> the 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 process here this is amazing yeah because people think it's just a piece of electronics but it's a medical device oh, so there yeah. are like certifications you have to get or the standards that you have to bite you also have to have a system in place for documenting the development it's so difficult it's so incredibly difficult to put together and you have to have a user experience woman love because yes it's a medical device but it's also a consumer device so Mm. you want you, do you want to have a product that you like to use love to use or must use yeah i always opt in for loving to use yeah definitely you don't want to like have to stick something scary and ugly and weird up in your vagina you rather it be like approachable yeah. and like it's your friend <laughs> right exactly yeah, yeah. so uh, when you go to our website or when you google keg then you'll see that it's wide it has golden electrodes oh you know it has God. beautiful charging cradle <laughs> a lot of love went into this product I love it what was your experience like with getting the FDA registration because um we've talked a lot on this podcast about you know healthcare institutions having inherent boundaries to femtech being innovated um did you find that process particularly hard for having a female focused device so I would say here's Two things. I wish the um, I wish that the femtech space would be regulated a bit more, honestly, because mm-hmm. um, there are so many devices that claim whatever they claim X Y Z, and FDA doesn't really care because we are just class one devices. And the second, I I would really, if I were an FDA, I would really try to make the process easier mm-hmm. and less expensive because I think everyone should play according to rules but also FDA should watch out for people that are just not playing according to rules because in the end it's good for women and many like many products for example even us we we are having a clinical study for it you know every claim that you make has to be supported by something Mm -hmm. and this is expensive of course it's expensive Mm -hmm. But um, the clinical study itself expensive, but the process around it could be cheaper. You know, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. at least could be cheaper. Yeah. You know, this reminds me of there's a show on Netflix that I, you know, scrolled across some random night, probably way too late, should have been in bed, but it's called The Bleeding Edge. And it was about medical devices and um, FDA approval. And they went through stories of five different medical devices. And four of the five were like femtech in my mind, they were for women. And the show wasn't necessarily about femtech. It just so happened for the five or for women. And they talked about how 
um, there are loopholes in the FDA regulation and these med devices were put into women and like totally ruined their lives, you know? And so just talking yeah. about how that, I know which, which one he talks about. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I wish, I wish there was like more order in this, honestly, like really, um, with there, I also would like to say this on this podcast that there are so many fertility trackers and fertility mm. solutions out there for women, which are either not regulated or the companies don't care what they say. And then I can give some examples that, you know, ovulation trackers, luteinizing hormones, they don't detect ovulation. They are just saying you have luteinizing hormone in your urine. But 99% of women are convinced that when LH test turns positive, it means that that day they have 99% chance mm -hmm. of conceiving. And mm -hmm. if they don't, they immediately internalize, oh my gosh, I didn't conceive. I had 99% chance of conceiving and I didn't. Mm -hmm. Something is wrong with me. I need IVF. That's mm -hmm. how women think. Mm -hmm. The companies exploit this, you know, like they're like, yes, we are 99% accurate. You know, we are ovulation trackers, da, 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 da. They're not accurate or they don't give like the chances of conception. They are giving accuracy that their piece of paper is sensitive for luteinizing hormone in urine. That's yeah. what they do. Yeah. Nothing else. And then, you know, unnecessarily women are anxious. They think everything is wrong, you know, and now reality tells us that, yeah, luteinizing hormone is a good indicator but the, it really depends on the sensitivity of the paper on the batch. And there was a large study last year which showed that most popular uh, LH tests are so off. You know, they could be mm -hmm. off so many days, but also they could be late. And many women, especially the older you are, when you have sex, when the LH test turns positive, it's already too late for you. Mm. You know, like the highest chances of conception is that the sperm is already there when yeah. you're about yeah. to ovulate so they can just like join together yeah isn't it but true this what companies can tell you you know yeah. like they just are here for business yeah isn't it true the sperm can live like up to three days in the vaginal canal so this is interesting um there is so little research on this mm. and um which is unfortunate some research claim even 10 days some claim only you know a few hours uh -huh. But all of them have one thing together, which is that it depends on the quality of sperm and the quality of cervical fluid. Because That's cervical right. fluid is like a pool for sperm to swim. Mm -hmm. And then when we build our device, we are looking for answers. Because, you know, our product is not classified to be used as a contraceptive. Yeah. So I just really want to make this clear. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like i as a woman and i'm especially interested in the first day when i'm already fertile mm -hmm. and then when i'm not mm -hmm. and if we have the information what type of cervical fluid kills sperm and which nurtures them where is the borderline we could easily implement it but this research is not existent yeah. there are some indicators some are contradicting to themselves the research on cervical fluid is also very strange because you know how can you make a research that you make it inside of women at different stages? It's very hard. Mm -hmm. We are not rats. You can't keep us in the lab. And then when they did a, a research <laughs> on cervical fluid, they had to take it out, you know, like take it out for women. And then the quality really, like, it goes low over the time. Yeah. One of our investors was uh, uh, doing a, his PhD in cervical fluid. And one thing that he loved about our company was that 
finally data on cervical fluid, you know, it's like gold, like it's so hard to get this data. And I was like, I know, it, you know how frustrating it is that you have so little research to really understand this and the research that exists is sometimes contradicting. <laughs> You're like, yeah, um, I'm trying to build a company and a business model around it. I know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'd love the data too. And so, you know, like when you, when you just like do a little research, um, there is so much research on cervical fluid of cows, cells, uh, animals, these are even insects. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. But not on women, you know? Yeah. So, like, we have so much research uh, how to do, you know, electrical impedance and cervical fluid when you do farming because it saves costs for farmers. But we don't have a lot of that research for women. I met one um, professor from University of Sydney that told me, hey, can I put this into a sheep? I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what the heck? And then he told me that he's working on product like that because currently farmers in Australia are taking the cervical fluid from sheep by hand and it's very uh, manual intensive and they need to drive down the cost so they need a device. And so he's doing research on that. And I thought, oh my gosh, so you get money to do this for sheep and we're trying to make it for women. Like why the heck is no one so so much interested to do this for women? Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I just could go on and on about this forever. But I just, this is so, so frustrating all yeah. the time. Welcome to the podcast, you know, like, girl. Welcome to the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, every, every, everyone I meet wants to know, like, what is the day one? What is the day one yeah. when sperm dies and when sperm survives? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, we, we more or less know from our data, but we need to have like a solid big research on this before we make some crazy claims. Yeah. And unfortunately, no one before us has done it. So, you know, we are fundraising to get more money for this. Yeah. But yeah, well, it's spe- it. <laughs> speaking of research, <laughs> I love your passion. I'm like, I feel you very deeply. I love this. Yeah, but you know, like, why on earth you can't know every day, like, hey, today I have sex and I will not get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like, why? It's not not so easy. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. And why? why the only way is to get you know, like your hormonal levels from urine when mm-hmm. everyone knows urine doesn't kill or nurture sperm. It's mm-hmm. cervical fluid. So why on earth can we get that information directly from the cervical fluid? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, sorry to be so... That's, it's <laughs> good. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, so speaking of research on lack of research for cervical fluid, you know, your device goes up into the vagina Uh, I know my friend Julie, she created a vaginal stint. And one of the things that she struggled with was knowing what materials work best on vaginal tissue, because the research on what vaginal tissue, you know, responds to apparently has not been researched. And so my question for you is, did you have like a consultant on your team that is like an expert in vaginas or, or what was that product design like? Yeah, so yes, we have on team um, a, a person that is expert on pelvic floor. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> advisor. I wouldn't say a but uh, pelvic floor. But we, what we are doing is we are doing impedance, which in simple words words means like conductivity. So we are using for free ions in the fluid surrounding. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it depends on the tissue as well, but mm-hmm. more about the fluid surrounding the device. And so the product works in a way that you know, you squeeze and relax based on how it vibrates. And we work with the assumption, very strict assumption, that as you do this exercise, 
the fluid, which is most of it stuck on your cervix, actually move, moves down in your mm-hmm. vaginal cha- canal. Mm-hmm. And we have high concentration of the fluid around the device. Mm-hmm. And the electrical impedance you can do only with metal. And, you know, the uh, best conduct conductive metal, which naturally is gold. That's why the device looks fancy because it has golden rings, but it's also gold. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I want to tell everyone I got gold up in my hoo-ha. <laughs> <laughs> my vulva is bling, has bling on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone was like, hey, it's such a good design, Christina. We really like the design. It looks so luxurious. And then I say, but it's gold. <laughs> <laughs> it's golden plated thing. So naturally it's golden. <laughs> so that's, um, so it was it just so, so essentially yeah, so we, like, you know, we, had to use metals and we had to use medical metals which one of them is golden mm. plating also that's why and then for the silicone we use uh, medically graded silicone and we have biocompatibility tests done on it so it's biocompatible cool so you know again i met you at that accelerator it was an accelerator for any kind of medical device there was things for hearts and there was things for pancreases and blood like there was lots of different med devices there do you think that it would be beneficial to a femtech company to have a femtech specific accelerator where the focus was on women's health, women's buying, you know, tendencies, um, OB/GYN operations? What What's your opinion on that? Um, I don't think that there are so many startups that you could build an accelerator around it. The community is very small, and I know most of the founders in the space, mm-hmm. so. I don't think it would help. I think what would help is that we have more money into the research for femtech and more money for funding of the femtech because I met tens of investors who were convinced that femtech is a niche market. Yeah. Yeah. If you put it in a sheep, it's a big market. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I really heard that many, many times. I'm like, okay, great, guys. I'm so... I'm surprised that you're even married, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So let's yeah, pretend no. it. Let's pretend um, it wasn't. <laughs> we already know it's not niche, but let's pretend other people didn't think it's niche. And let's say there was plentiful of femtech startups. Do you think there's something useful to having, you know, mentors and advisors and programming that is specific for women's health, or do you think that femtech companies can do just as well in a, you know? Um, industry agnostic kind of accelerator i think industry agnostic accelerator is honestly better you you Mm. because you you build those relationships with other authentic founders eventually anyway because you Mm. all go through the same struggle Uh, and being in industry agnostic accelerator also opens up your eyes of how it works elsewhere and then you translate it, this is how it should work also in semantic, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. But at least you know that it should be better. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it can almost be um, a bad thing for the industry to have femtech accelerator because it's continuing to silo us and making it, you know, exactly. we, we're not branching out and educating all the all the investors that were interested in the heart valves at your pitch day then got to learn about cervical fluid. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I think. Yeah. Hmm. Well, speaking of investors, how do they respond to your product? Besides, okay, femtech is niche. You know, like what do they think or say about you know when you tell them about cervical fluid and stuff? 
Yeah, so investors are, you know, investors, even when they try not to be, are always personally biased. The mm. investor has to be passionate about the thing that they invest in or they have to have deep understanding of the subject. Yeah. And um, naturally, that's very challenging when you talk to them about the vaginal experience and cervical fluid. Um, we have men and women investors. Uh, the men investors, they understand cervical fluid mm. and, or, you know, vaginal space. And women investors are passionate about the product. And yeah, it is a challenge moving forward. But to me, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like you, when everyone does, like when you meet a lot of people that don't understand it, you're either crazy or you're just genius. Mm-hmm. And since the beginning of the time, women wanted to know when the sperm survive inside them and when not. Yeah. So if we are solving it and if we solve it like one day with a super clear answer with scientific, like scientific research, then we are going to be like big company that helps a lot of people and everything. So I don't care, but naturally, you know, uh, nonstop, I have to be looking over my shoulder and I have to look for investors because we need money. Yeah. This is not a consumer company. It also has to be a medical company. And for that, you need money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are women's responses when you tell them that you're measuring their uh, vaginal, you know, mucus? What are, are they like totally <laughs> into it? Are they down? Are they like, ew, that's gross. Yeah. Do you find issues no, in the sales? Like, Can I try? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think it's because this is how, how it looks. It's just because it's pretty, you know, mm-hmm. if it would be something scary and wouldn't look attractive, then people would be like, uh, but they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did fibroids. Can I try? <laughs> You know, yeah. So I think like with women, we don't have problems, but naturally, maybe I just meet only the women, open-minded women or young women that you know are used to use a lot of devices. So I don't know. We, yeah. you know, you never know how this really is. Yeah. I haven't spoken to women from rural, you know, South Carolina. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yeah, time. you're in San Francisco. All the ladies are like, "Oh yeah, girl, I'll tell you about my mucus." Yes. it's gold it's gold put it in put it in actually can you hold it up again I'll make sure that when we post this podcast we'll have pictures of it but um so for those listening and haven't seen an image yet it's kind of like a bulb and then there's this long stem um but the stem is bent so yeah tell me about the bending of it does it go all the way up or yeah so these parts go inside and this one it's antenna Mm-hmm. So it goes out and bends because we don't want to stream the Bluetooth from inside the body. Yeah. And that's why it's out. But also you can pull it out and put in and it's more comfortable. Does it go towards the clitoris or the anus? Uh, clitoris. Okay. All right. Interesting. I'm just trying to also visualize it. I didn't know if it went all the way up in there or that tail stuck out and which way it went because... So yeah. a woman doesn't, she, no one's going to notice she has a tail or anything if she's wearing this thing at work or whatever. Yeah, but also you don't wear it. Uh, it takes a few minutes. So oh, I use you're not kick. wearing it a lot. Yeah, yeah, I use my kick when I brush my teeth. Okay, this is good. This is good reframing for what I thought. I was like, you live with that in. For the month. No, no, no. Okay. So you're brushing your teeth, you put in your keg. Okay. 
God. No, no. When I go to sleep and I brush my teeth, I use my keg and then put it back. Good. This is why I promote reading the directions because what my mind tells me is the plausible thing for how to use it or how to build something. It's just, it's usually wrong. So I'm so glad that I asked. <laughs> and also you use it with the app and the app is a timer. So you follow the, you follow as it goes. Perfect. God, so cool. I mean, Bluetooth enabled medical device, like that's, that's 2020, right? Also vaginal <laughs> mucus, totally 2020. Um, you know, a lot of our listeners are really inspired about femtech and they may even start a company themselves. What are some areas in femtech that you think still need innovating? Um, I have menopause, absolutely menopause. I mean, <clears throat> because women like me, we are usually younger. So we are trying to solve our problems first, mm. but menopause is like, the second teenage years where you, when your hormones are all over the place, mm. many things change and the solutions for menopause are still almost non-existent. Yeah. Like really non-existent. So we also know that the cervical fluid fluctuates with your hormonal changes and people keep asking us if they can use this to monitor the menopause, like during the menopause. And I say most likely yes, but we don't, well, like we don't have any research, like yeah. we can do a research or we can cooperate with someone, we are very happy to share the data, but we know that the cervical fluid indicates the hormonal changes in women, but how and how to use the changes to predict some other stages, we don't know. And I feel sorry for women in menopause because there are so little treatments and so little understanding about it all, no innovation whatsoever in long time. And to be honest with everyone, you know, in a few years, it will be larger segment than fertility. So why on earth no one is innovating there? It's a big big market. Yeah. Well, I think that might even speak to societal issues, prioritizing baby making over, you know, caring for women who are quote unquote over the hill, right? Like where are we putting, where, what are we prioritizing as a society? Interesting. But also in baby making, there is a lot of research and fundraising Mm. going into baby products but not into the caring for women yeah for fertility for example so i don't think that it's just like women being all this generally like lack of interest in women well-being and on the other hand we as women we are used to put up with so much yeah a lot mm-hmm. that no one really cares yeah i i honestly met an investors with who with no shame said like and what well, so like women have been dealing with side effect of the pill and iod for ages like you can't, you know, you can't conquer the market with having like natural solution and just women will put up with this stuff. And I was like, can you even listen to yourself? <laughs> yes, you put up with it because there is no other way or yeah, like knowing yeah. when you're fertile and you're not fertile is so hard that like people can't do it. But it doesn't mean that if we have solution that people would put up with this ridiculous stuff. <laughs> it's not, women aren't martyrs where we're just like, yes, please help me continue to suffer. You know, yeah, yeah. there's a but solution. Like, no, thank you. you. <laughs> so many people that I met and they were convinced that, that it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Wow. And, wow. you know. It's just crazy. Well, you know, speaking of women putting up with it, I um, was looking at some of the statistics for COVID and they said, um, you know, the statistics of uh, hospitalizations for people infected with COVID-19 seem to disproportionately affect men 
And honest to God, in my mind, I was like, I bet it's not. I bet it's same for women, but women are just staying home and dealing with it. And they're not like calling up an ambulance. (laughs) I have no data on this, listeners. I have no data. But I swear, I thought I said men are weaker in terms of like suffering and pain. And like, there's more men in the hospital with Corona because they're, you know, asking, you know, they're going to the hospital. Women are like, I'm sick. Just leave me in my room, you know. I do know what I was at one party and they were they were pharmacists women and they had this joke they were like they were asking themselves like what do they prescribe to a man coming with a flu syndromes or cough syndromes you know uh-huh. and you know like <laughs> they were like oh, I prescribed this tea like always something that is like completely ridiculous you know or like vitamin C those come like with this flu like symptoms and they're healthy and these pharmacists all of them they're like sharing their tips like what do they prescribe this <laughs> you know like vitamin c or like tea you know like herbal tea and i was like everyone and you know like they all agreed that you know then men come in the weeks and they're like yeah it was so helpful thank you oh. <laughs> it's just really funny yeah well women you know we've been putting up with a lot for a really long time um, our last question for our interview is what do you think femtech as an industry needs the most right now? Right now? Yeah. Um, I mean, the innov- like, I believe that what I'm building is what the femtech needs right now. If we fundraise enough money and if we have enough women, you know, who are using the keg, I believe that at one point we will have a lot of data that we can create better claims and better products. And second, I am horrified by the way how women are treated at at birth when they deliver a baby. Mm. Um, when you look at how women have been delivering babies since the beginning of the time, now we had been birthing in different positions. We were supported. But once the whole birthing industry became institutionalized, we are starting to having a lot of problems like C-sections or you know, vaginal tears and so mm-hmm. on. And women are pushed to birth in a certain way. And yeah. then they have long, long-term lasting consequences mm-hmm. that no one really cares about. Um, and it's just very sad. One of the things that I think should change immediately, I would hope tomorrow, is that there shouldn't be a price tag on birth. Mm. It shouldn't. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, deductibles shouldn't apply to giving birth. Because it creates this ridiculous space when women are going to induce birth just to like be aligned with their deductible for the year. Yep, yep. And it impacts women and impacts baby forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like with, you know, there are like your kidneys. I think like when you have like sick kidneys, then they're ex- like exempt from deductibles. But I think the same should be true for giving birth. It should be something which the society provides for free because in the long term, you know, this is not a free market. You can't choose like, Hey, I will birth (laughs) in a month or like in December or in March, you know, it's not a free market. It's something that is given. So it should really be treated as something that is appreciated by the society and is appreciated by everyone because you're bringing a taxpayer and it's (laughs) something that is not subject to the free market because you really can't choose at that moment. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. That is something I haven't heard yet. And I, you know, so often I hear different ideas uh, for femtech and I'm like, oh yeah, duh. 
you know? And so when people ask like, what does femtech need? I'm like, literally you can think about anything in a woman's life and it probably could be improved. And so like deductibles for giving birth. Yes. That should be something that is addressed immediately. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Wow. This because is- you know, it imp- impacts women and it impacts the new person forever. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. Those first few, few hours, first day of life is absolutely critical. But also if you need to be induced, that's not normal. Like if you lose a month in your mother's womb, you know, you have more allergies, mm. you have like less developed brain, da, 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 da. It, it goes with you forever. Crazy. Well, we're definitely going to link keg, um, you know, a picture of it so everyone can see what the heck I was <laughs> describing. <laughs> um, and we're definitely going to uh, post your link. Everyone, if you are interested in learning more about your vaginal fluid, definitely get a keg. I'm going to get mine. They look so beautiful. They're beautiful. You could probably just leave it out in your bathroom. So gorgeous. And uh, this has been really, really fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Christina Kajova of Keg. Again, K-E-G-G dot tech is where you can buy her device. It is for sale on the market. Get your device right now on the website. I learned so much about cervical fluid. I I love this podcast, y'all. I am so grateful you let me do this because I'm literally just having amazing conversations and learning so much. And it's such a joy to know that other people are finding it so interesting as well. We have hundreds of subscribers already. So make sure to continue to share this with your friends. Get a keg ball, um, stretch out your pelvic floor, but also find out when your fertility window is using your cervical fluid. If you love this podcast, make sure you support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing, and follow us on social media at Femtech Focus on all the social media platforms. Let us know what you want to hear about. If you are a Femtech researcher, policymaker, you know, thought leader, please message us. We want to get you on the podcast. So until next time, keep innovating because women's health and wellness is important for everyone's health and wellness.